Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is the Ultimate College Basketball Tournament Special presented by the Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey. I'm Tyler Aki from Locked On Syracuse. I'm joined by Candace Cooper from Locked On ACC and Andy Patton of Locked On Zags. We're going to give you... Complete analysis from the Elite Eight. You'll get betting advice as well from our friends at BetQL. And, of course, we're going to zoom in on the biggest things happening as we have the final four fields set down in New Orleans. But, Candice, Andy, I think we start here with Villanova. This, to me, was the best game. A lot of people are calling this a very dull Elite Eight. I love college basketball. I love the NCAA tournament. There's never a dull moment for me. But this game, very low scoring between Villanova and Houston, very physical as well but the major storyline coming out of here that certainly has long-term ramifications for Villanova's title chances is the injury to Justin Moore and it's been confirmed he tore his Achilles and obviously as a result of that will not play against Kansas when they do go down to New Orleans but Candace I'll start with you even though Villanova suffered this injury where do you pin their their chances to win it all and how how big of an impact is this going to make? Yeah, absolutely. So I really feel like it's the typical you're playing with not a full set of guys. The rotation is already small for Villanova, so it's going to be one of those moments where everyone's going to have to dig deep, right? You're going to have to find a way to play for 40 minutes strong and might have a little bit of rotation every now and again, but ultimately you're just going to have to play with a lot of heart. You're going to have to just figure out how to like each basket get in there and have the opportunity to score and and defend well you know Jay Wright is going to have to have that same energy of low scoring high defense and make sure that that Kansas earns every basket which we saw from their attempt to or their final four makeup today that they can absolutely score so you're gonna to have to figure out how to get them to miss and miss often and just try and play your own game but it's going to be tough it's hard to lose a leader it's hard to lose somebody who's a part of your natural rotation for sure Ever since postseason play has started for Villanova, they have held every single opponent under 65. That's going all the way back to the Big East tournament as well. So the defense has certainly ratcheted up. And again, Andy, if you're going to beat a team like Houston, it's got to be very sound defensively. Listen, Villanova wasn't great. In fact, they scored 50 points exactly in this game and somehow shot worse than their opponent (laughs) from the field. You don't see stuff like that in an NCAA tournament game. No, you don't. And Obviously, you also don't see a team like Houston go one for 20 from three, which is a staggering number. Uh, Obviously, some credit to Villanova and their defense. Uh, Also, Houston missed a lot of shots, and that happens in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Obviously, 
uh, with the one and done nature of the tournament, it's pretty devastating when it does. But uh, that was a big factor here. Uh, obviously, for Villanova, the defense is going to need to continue to be great. Kansas is a very, very good offensive team. It's going to be a big matchup between those point guards. Remy Martin's been playing really well for the Jayhawks, and Colin Gillespie is quite arguably the greatest, the best point guard in the NCAA this year, at least uh, certainly in that conversation, and, and probably the best point guard left uh, in the tournament right now. And he, he did not have a particularly good game against Houston, at least offensively, but if he comes out and shoots it well, uh, I think they got a really good shot. Yeah, you, you alluded to the point guard matchup there. Certainly the best of the point guard matchups in <laughs> yeah. this Final Four, and point guard play is so, so critical. Once you get to this point in March, let's move to the other game that happened on Saturday. And that was Duke and Arkansas. Coach K goes out, gets a 78 to 69 victory. Margin of victory was nine. Probably felt a little more like 15 to 17 with a couple of backdoor buckets by um, by Arkansas in this game. But you look at what what Duke did in this one. This was the first game where I guess aside from the 215 matchup to open up the tournament. But this was the first time in the NCAA tournament in the last three games that they've played the last three games against big time opponents that they've played where they kind of left no doubt for 40 minutes. They were in control of this game wire to wire. You saw a bunch of different players step up. Mark Williams. I'm just going to give you the floor, Candace, because I know you love to bang the drum for Mark Williams night in and night out. And he showed how important he is when he is playing as good as he is. This team can blow teams out. Yeah. Listen, I've been saying all season, Mark Williams is probably the best NBA ready person on Duke's team. I know Powell has been getting all the hype. He's won the awards and accolades. You know, Mark got his defensive player of the year as well, but Mark is the difference maker. They just feed off his energy. If he's getting in the blocks and having a great defensive game, they're up. If he's getting those dunks and those alleys, like he is just the person who changes the synergy of Duke's team. And so it's really exciting to see him kind of get that boost of confidence. We know in the previous game, somebody saw maybe, maybe, maybe not, you know, went around the Twitter verse of him being soft, AKA coach K letting that one out so you know I think he probably took that to heart read read through and was like now nah, I'm going to confirm why I am the best and he played one of his best games this season another guy that was fantastic in this game as well AJ Griffin who I always look for teams that have the guy when things aren't going great or maybe things are going all right for you that can just step up and hit big shots yeah. and I think one of the prime examples of the last couple of seasons is Villanova when they had Dante DiVincenzo. Was he the star on that team? No. Was he the guy that was going to garner all the headlines? No. But guess what? He was the guy that ended up winning most outstanding player of that tournament. And it's because he put forth Herculean efforts in the national title game. But he also played really well in the second round game that Villanova had as well. I believe that was against Florida State. And it's just some of these little matchups here that you exploit. And A.J. Griffin has shown that he can score at all three levels. And for a Duke team that can use a boost. We've seen them go on little droughts at times, Andy, but AJ Griffin's been that dude for them. That kind of gets them out of these funks. Yeah. He was huge in this game. You know, you look at the, the box score, uh, Ben Carroll and Wendell Moore combined to go nine for 21. Uh, that's not often a recipe for success for this team. Uh, but you know, Mark Williams obviously had a phenomenal game and AJ Griffin really stepped up. Uh, obviously as, as somebody who watched the Gonzaga game and what they failed to do, they did not have a player like AJ Griffin, who could go out, who could get a bucket, who could just, who could just get it done when the, when the offense was failing, when there was you know limited amount of time on the shot clock. Griffin is the guy you can just kind of go to, and this Duke team was really really good without him. They beat Gonzaga earlier in the season without him. They won a lot of big games, but when he wasn't healthy, and now that he's here and he's gonna you know drop 18 points in 26 minutes 
uh, in a game like this against a good defensive team like this, this Duke team was already really dang good when he was on the shelf. And now that he's back and playing his best basketball right now, they can afford to have, you know, an off shooting night from one of their best players like Bancaro. Uh, and they can still go out and get it done. And, and, you know, you look at the upcoming matchups for them, like they have a really good chance of winning two more games and finishing this season off because of a guy like Griffin's impact on this team is cannot be understated enough. Let's take a look at who Duke's going to face. Oh, boy. I mean, uh, first of all, I, I want to get both of your pulses here. What were you rooting for more? I guess I have to take Candace out of this because she is a Tar Heel through and through. So, Andy, I'll ask you, what were you rooting for more? St. Peter's to take on Duke or were you looking forward to seeing a UNC versus Duke rematch? Yeah, I mean, I was obviously looking forward to the Duke-UNC rematch. I mean, you know, not just a, a matchup of two of these high-profile programs that have been rivals for literally decades and decades in the same state and and all of that. And obviously the storyline with Coach K's final year and his, his season being disrupted by Hubert Davis in North Carolina uh, during the regular season. It's, it's obviously a storybook made-for-Disney-style matchup that we're, we're getting here. Not that it wouldn't have been with St. Peter's. I mean, my goodness, that story is already incredible for a 15 seed. To even just beat Kentucky is already an incredible story. Yeah. But for Shaheem Holloway's squad to do what they did and get all the way to this game, it would have been a blast. I'd read somewhere that Mike Krzyzewski's – I didn't confirm this fact, but I read that his first game as a coach um, was, I believe, at West Point, And they yes. were mm-hmm. the, his first loss was to St. Peter's. So that would have oh, been wow. an incredible – an incredible story had that happened, had that come together. But for the for fans of like blue bloods, for fans of like like iconic, you know, storytelling, this game is going to be one for the ages. Candace, you weren't fading your heels in this game, were you? Listen, I love a good story. I love a good underdog. I love anybody who has the heart and grit. And just listening to Coach Holloway, you just, I was bought in. I was sold. Whatever. He's like, you think I'm scared of this? And when you take, you know, basketball out of it, yes, these guys deal with real life things. So this little game, this little tournament probably means nothing in terms of how on the scale of how hard their life is. So yeah, let them enjoy it. Let them keep having fun. And so I think for me, I was happy either way, right? Like you're not going to get a bad storyline from any either of teams. But if we're going to do it, you might as well be Cinderella's stepmother and go ahead and like ruin the party you know like let's just right. burst the bubble <laughs> let's just go ahead and do it because i think what everyone here in the triangle especially in north carolina want is to just end this nonsense let's just have it out but what i think people aren't realizing is you don't get a you know retirement tour farewell and cameron indoor redo like as much as people want to get hype about that and like oh this takes away it doesn't <laughs> No. You'll never get that back. You'll never have 80 Duke fa- Duke players, former Duke players in the stands, cr- like tears in the welts in their eyes, upset. People in costumes all dressed <laughs> up and the makeup's like, running down their face. You'll never see Coach K have to give a speech post loss in a way that, you know, that just you can't relive that. And that's fine. But great opportunity for two schools who have grown exponentially since that game, you know, with Virginia Tech kind of giving North Carolina a gut check, giving Duke a gut check. Everyone now is rolling. And so this is probably the best we'll see out of both. Yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot to take away from this game. I ultimately think a 15 seed just played like a 15 seed in this game. And that's a big reason why we don't see 15 seeds ever get to the Elite Eight. And this is why St. Peter's is the most unlikely story that we have seen in this tournament advanced to the degree that they did one step away from the final four. So Shaheen Holloway, I mean, hats off to him. It was the worst kept secret that he's going to Seton Hall. It's not official yet, but 
not only is he going to Seton Hall, but the price went up for sure of, of what he's about to get at Seton yeah. Hall. Lastly here, I do want to get to maybe the, the least eventful game. I was actually in attendance at this one, Kansas and Miami um, in Chicago. But I think we have to get to Kansas because they haven't really played great all tournament long, but they kicked it into gear in that second half. Candace, has Kansas been the benefactor of an easy path to get to the final four? See, I just don't believe in easy pass. I think there's no such thing because you have a team like St. Peter's who can end your whole season off of, you know, the strength of shooting really great night. But I think Kansas has flown Kansas has flown under the radar, which has been nice for them. They haven't been the top storyline. They haven't had the pressure. Coach Bill Stuff definitely needs to pick up a good win here, against, especially against Villanova. But that's not the one that's going to be heart pumping all week. That's not the one that's going to be feeding your ESPN you know, website. So probably better off for them, right? They haven't had the pressure. They played like meh, and nobody's really cared. But now you have the opportunity to come in be Villanova and play for national championship and you're going to be the second best story of the group so that's wild and yet I think Kansas has the opportunity to do it quite as it's cast Andy when you look at Kansas I mean this is a group that they're kind of a mismatch of of pieces here it's not the Kansas team you're used to obviously Oshai Abaji's fantastic player of the year candidate this year but Outside of that, I mean, you don't have the traditional strong big down low that Kansas likes to have. Um, the guard play was suspect all season long until the NCAA tournament when Remy Martin flipped a switch, but he comes off the bench for this team. But what's been the biggest thing for you and your takeaway from Kansas throughout this tournament? Yeah, I, I mean, Abaji has been phenomenal. I think that's probably the best takeaway. He, he's been he's been really, really good. He's been good all season long. It's not like he he just turned on in the NCAA tournament. Uh, you mentioned Remy Martin. Yeah, he he had a nice game against Miami. Uh, but the team in general has they have so many different ways they can beat you, and I think that's kind of been part of it. Yeah, they haven't played particularly well as a unit uh, so far this tournament. I think Candace hit the nail on the head by mentioning that they've gone very, very under the radar. Even when the bracket was full, there was more conversation about Auburn having more pressure on them, Wisconsin having more pressure on them. Those teams fell early. Iowa was the trendy team there, yeah, too. Exactly. Yeah, it was kind of everybody but Kansas was getting talked about, and they've kind of, you know, waltzed their way into this spot. I think uh, David McCormick is a huge piece for them as well. He, he didn't play uh, – he, play, he played really well against Miami. He'd been struggling a little bit prior to that. Uh, but I think when he's playing well, he, he gives them another element uh, – but this, this is a team that, that can beat you in a lot of different ways, and they may not do it uh, in a super pretty fashion, uh, but they get it done, and they're two wins away from national championship and have two of the toughest games, the toughest games that they're going to play coming up. I think one of the underrated things is, especially with this Kansas team, just the ability to handle your business. Yeah. And because there's a lot of teams, I mean, with 18 to, to 23, 24-year-old kids, like – Sometimes there's something to be said about just going out and getting the job done. It's a really underrated part of college athletics in general. That's something that Kansas has certainly done. All right, next up, we're going to throw this conversation over to Lucy Burge and Brandon Sprague, hosts of the Back to the Futures on the BetQL Network. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, 
They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Brandon Sprague and Lucy Birch here from the Back to the Future show on the BetQL Network. And boy, oh boy, the brackets are busted over here. I can tell you that much with our incredible Final Four matchups. The Elite Eight, a little bit of a dud. Uh, but Lucy, we're, we're we're a little weary of one team in particular that's made the Final Four run in a pretty pivotal season. Yes, so weary of Duke. I am so sad about St. Peter's because I was so on St. Peter's and the Peacocks and the whole thing that they had going there. And now I'm devastated. My bracket is in pieces, like complete pieces. And I had Providence winning it all. That's not happening, obviously. Then I was like, oh, St. Peter's is a great team to back here gone and now duke the team i hated the most in the whole thing coach k's last game at home when they lost relished in that and was like they're done no momentum they're just sad he's apologizing and now they could win the national championship this is so frustrating and again well the only thing i do like here is duke unc that's something to to watch that is a storyline here to root for in a sense but to root for unc it's pretty remarkable. You mentioned Duke UNC in the Final Four, and, and I was pretty disappointed with a lot of the Elite Eight matchups that we had. I mean, Duke-Arkansas was was not much of a game, and obviously we got Kansas-Villanova-North Carolina and Carolina taking care of uh, St. Peter's, the first 15 seed to ever reach the Elite Eight. Uh, but you mentioned Duke-Carolina, and it's so weird how sometimes the universe can come together and give you historic events in really, in really pivotal moments. Like this is Coach K's last season, and for the first time ever in tournament history, you're going to get the biggest college basketball rivalry squaring off in the Final Four. A game, by the way, that at the end of the regular season, North Carolina was able to handle Duke at Cameron Indoor, Coach K's last home game. He yelled at the crowd for that one, mainly because his team got outplayed. But you look at the odds right now, Duke uh, is favored by four, was the opening line, and Duke is the prohibitive favorite in the final four of all four teams to win the national championship. And I'll tell you right now, Lucy, after watching that Arkansas game and seeing the run they're on, I mean, you've got Griffin, you've got Bankiro, you've got Roach, you've got Williams, and you've got more. You are looking potentially uh, and probably at five NBA guys in a starting lineup. When they got it going, it is terrifying to go against. Yes, and with Arkansas, they had the cheerleader who got the the ball out from the uh, the backboard, which I absolutely loved. But this is, <laughs> this is why I am so conflicted about this because do I take Kansas or uh, UNC money line or or Duke money line or which spread to take? And that's why I'm splitting the difference here, and I'm going to go UNC money line, and I I guess Duke on the spread because I want to root for not root for them but be on the edge of my seat for this and have something to worry about during this game because there is so much chalk in this final four that i need a saint peter's type adrenaline rush here so that's why i i really despise duke and coach k and do want to see him go down but i really do think this is going to be a close game and this again this storyline is just is when you talk about script writers in march madness this is something that you could, they could be like, this is a plot twist here. St. Peter's is out, but we do have this. Yeah, if you look right now at the uh, the live odds over at numerous books, I mean, you're looking at Duke as the favorite. Kansas is second in most books. 
Villanova is third, and North Carolina is a pretty distant fourth. Uh, there's actually some really good value. Lucy, if you like North Carolina on the money line, and maybe not so much the points, I, I would look at that money line and feel really good about your odds because we're talking about two – obviously, it's a big rivalry, but we're also talking about two teams that square uh, – matchup-wise, they match up pretty well. And North Carolina was able to expose some things and execute pretty well at that uh, game against uh, Duke at Cameron. And so right now, I'm, I'm not even caring about the points. I'm also writing the UNC money line here. It does feel like I'm betting against fate in a certain yeah. weird way. Yeah, um, we talked about that on our Back to the Future show on the BetQL Network on Sunday evenings, just about how Duke kind of has that feel that a lot of teams, yes, there are final four teams there, but Duke is kind of riding this wave. So I am going to take the ultimate. I'm betting the UNC money line. They won me, as you can see behind me, they won me my matchup against St. Peter's. They were eight and a half point favorites. So I'm going to ride the North Carolina uh, storyline into the championship game. Everybody's about Duke. Everybody's going to be about Coach K and Lucy. I'm going to take North Carolina with you. I'm going to take them on that money line. And I would I'd probably even sprinkle a little bit on them to win the national championship, not just Ooh. win that game. Now, let me ask you this. Kansas and Villanova on the other side of this thing. Pretty interesting matchup. Villanova obviously dealing with the Justin Moore injury uh, to the Achilles, which we discussed on uh, Back to the Futures. But Kansas coming in as a team that many kind of pegged as this team, that the team that could win the national championship, they had a little bit of ups, they had a little bit of downs this season, and there were there were a lot, some people out there that weren't necessarily buying them. They had an incredible second half against Miami, the surprising 10 seed. Uh, they outscored Miami in the second half, 47 to 15. Unreal. Miami no showed. How do you feel about Kansas, Villanova in the final four on the other side? Well, I think I have to go with Kansas here, and I say I have to because I've had this feeling about them. When I look at Kansas Villanova, I generally bet with my heart, except for the case of Duke, because that really does feel like they could win the national championship. But with Kansas, there's just a feeling about them where you look at this matchup and you're like, Kansas, obviously, like gotta be, because they've been favored for a long time. You look at the second half of that game, how in the world did that happen? First, they first you look at the first half, and it Miami is literally that they had us in the first half gif because that they had the first half. You're like that Miami is gonna is gonna take this. And then Kansas comes out in the second half, and it's like, where is this team in the first half? This is unbelievable. So they have momentum too. So I absolutely think I'm going with Kansas money line here and maybe on the spread. So there's something on there. So, so okay, so you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna spread it out a little bit. I like that. Yeah. Now let, let me ask you this though: It doesn't worry you the reputation of one Bill Self in Kansas, where Kansas has had many a good team, and they've won a championship via Mario Chalmers and Bill Self against Memphis years ago. But there's kind of this this aura, this feeling, this thing about Kansas that always leaves some people a little hesitant to pick them. I know Villanova's kind of come coming into this game limping a little bit with the loss of more. But Jay Wright's a good coach, and he's he's maybe the best coach in the country. Um, if you're talking about people who cover that sport, there there's no worry about Kansas having a letdown spot and Villanova being able to be an underdog. As a uh, right now, I'm seeing four point underdog, kind of looking at Villanova that way. Of hey, could they creep up on Kansas? And could Kansas have a traditional, what seems like a traditional, uh, little slump buster there in a pretty pivotal game in the Final Four and blow their chances to win a national championship? I mean, sure, but what I do like about Bill Self is whatever he said at halftime against Miami, because it worked. 
So if he just does that every time, I can't even imagine what that halftime speech was because they shot out like a cannon in the second half. But if if he can just do that with every game going forward the rest of his career, I mean, will he ever lose again? I don't know, but th- I absolutely. <laughs> of course he's going to lose again. Yeah, that, was, that was absolute magic. I mean, what the, so I, yeah, I, I look at this and my gut is telling me Kansas. Okay, and I, I get that. They will lose again. I, I actually won't be shocked, Lucy, because um, they don't they don't jump off the page talent-wise the way that Duke does. Now, you know, Kansas could have some really good college guys, but when you're talking about NBA-type talents, that's where a team like Duke is sitting there excited about their matchups. And while Kansas, I think, is the better team, I think I'm going to take that Villanova plus four right now. Uh, I think the value is good. I think Villanova and Jay Wright are going to have a good game plan. And look, there, there is something about Bill Self. I don't, I don't care what he says at the halftime speech. I don't care what he <laughs> says at the pregame speech or the postgame. There is an element of Kansas that always leaves you a little nervous. I can't tell you how many seasons I've picked them to get to a Final Four or win a championship, and they've let me down. Maybe this is the year where Bill Self kind of crosses over the threshold and becomes more in the all-time pantheon conversation type coaches by winning another championship. I don't know if I'm completely buying it. I'll take Jay Wright getting four points all day in the final four. Oh, because what did they tell us? The very beginning of the final of of all of March Madness, expect the unexpected. Always just expect the impossible to happen, which is what I thought was happening with St. Peter's, but I guess not. But we do need a bird mascot in this. So I'm taking the Jayhawks. Another reason I need the Kansas Jayhawks in this for some bird action. But I am also just going with my gut and expecting the unexpected 1000% because it, this has shown us anything is possible. Which uh, we'll, 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 um, we'll kind of wrap it up here. Which championship do you think is the most interesting matchup? Not, not what your bet is, not what your heart is. Just looking at a TV viewing mm. perspective. Lucy, what is the most interesting matchup you think we could get out of these four teams? Duke, Kansas. Duke, Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> It's hard not to say Duke. Like, as much as I'm rooting be. against Duke and taking Carolina money line, it's hard not to say Shashevsky last game of his career is in the national championship game against a program of Cal- of Kansas's caliber. Like, to not have that, it, that would be, I think the execs would still be happy if they got Carolina Villanova, a rematch of a championship, one of the greater championships we had just a few years ago. But I think if you're looking at this on paper, Kansas has looked every bit the part and I think you could also look at Duke and say they've got five NBA guys and they are rolling right now. And that's what you want. You want the most talent, the most eyeballs. Coach K, of course, we got to know that he's still married to his wife. So let's show him walking in, <laughs> holding hands. And you give me Duke, Kansas in the national championship game. I'm not going to be all that upset about it. And I'm going to become quite the Jayhawk fan if uh, they can't if they can't get it done. Yeah, not mad about it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Now let's jump uh, let's uh, send it back now. The guys that are going to jump into the biggest storylines entering the final four. Here's Andy, Candace, and Tyler. If your day sounds like we need the report ASAP, you deserve Medella. If you've persevered through, you deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame, two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 
So this has been one of the craziest, and I mean craziest, editions of the NCAA tournament. We talked about St. Peter's and the run that they made. We saw upsets galore. We saw, I mean, we've got an eight seed in the Final Four right now. But at the end of the day, when you see that Final Four, the four teams headed down to New Orleans. It is blue, but blue blood, blue blood, blue blood, blue blood. Say that five times fast. <laughs> um, but th this is what it is. And I think this is great for, for viewership. It's great for the sport. It's going to be a really, really fun time down in New Orleans for this Final Four. But Duke, North Carolina, Villanova, and Kansas. You're talking about teams that have won four of the last six national titles, seven of the last 13 national titles, three of the four winningest programs in, in all of college basketball history. I mean, this is history personified with what we're going to see in New Orleans. And Candace, I know for you as a Carolina fan, you're probably feeling like, oh, we're, we're playing with house money at this point. This is, this is just a dream to be here, but Credit Hubert Davis and what he has done. I mean, you could see the raw emotion in his eyes, even in a 20-point blowout over St. Peter's. But after that pick game, people wanted this man fired, right? I mean, and, and now almost every game, yeah. <laughs> and now you fast forward about a month, and he's got this team two games away from winning a national championship in his first season as a head coach. And sometimes the nice guys can finish first. Yeah, I, I remember on Locked on ACC literally having the discussion of maybe Hubert Davis is absolutely too nice to be a head coach. And that's okay. Like, some people play a great Robin. Everybody's not Batman, right? Some people are great secondary men who can pour into guys, have more personal relationships. They don't have to kiss the babies. They don't have to do all the politics that is sometimes in the head coach position. But you've seen Hubert Davis kind of take on the role and really run with it. And I say, I joke because he's very spiritual. And I'm like, he has an anointing on him. Favor is not fair. I don't know what kind of prayer closet he got but I want one because in your first year that's insane to be leading a team potentially to a national championship and yes he's been an assistant coach for nine years and he's had the opportunity to be around Carolina his whole life but there's nothing like having guys trust in you and lead you and I think for him he's so happy because the guys have bought into his system and for these young men who everyone I mean I ain't gonna hold you myself I was like they have no heart these guys just don't understand the Carolina system. They don't understand what it's like to be a student at Carolina. And you think about what 2020 was for them and COVID and not playing in front of fans. They're now finally getting to reap what being a blue blood is like, right? They actually yeah. get to see what people are literally balking at your feet. Every time you walk, they have a carpet out for you. They get to understand that and they're playing like they want that energy to stay. So here we go. <laughs> I think you hit on something really important here. And it's that Hubert Davis has been around this program. And what does that mean? That means he's been a part of championships. And I think that's important because you've got four coaches that have either prepared or been a part of the preparation for a national championship for uh, these final fours, all that stuff. And I think that's really important when you get to this weekend that we have now in new Orleans. So Andy, like when you play the chess match game here, w which coaching matchup is most intriguing to you? Yeah, I think I think I'm going to stick with Duke Carolina for that. I think, you know, obviously Shashevsky is the coach getting all of the attention for a good reason for his illustrious career. Uh, and he's been here a whole bunch of times. He's been here when basketball was played basically a completely different way in the early 1990s. Like he has been they were jumping center crazy. after every single point. That's what exactly. they were doing back then. <laughs> it, was a, it was a borderline different game. And, and yeah. so he has has this experience he's done it for a long time and he's going up against a new coach and candace hit again she nailed it talking about uh, how he's been around the program and he's not i mean he's he's a first year coach but it's not nearly in the same way as a first year coach who's who's never been on the stage before he's he's been here he's done this 
and it's going to be a fascinating game. Obviously, they've, they've played each other a couple of times. So there, there's the chess match of, of how do you coach against somebody that you've already played before that has seen you, you know, the adjustments that you've made in game already. And then you're doing that on this monumental stage, this, you know, winner go home mentality, like it, it amplifies everything. It's going to be a really fascinating chess match between two very, very good coaches who are at very, very different points in their career. And I think that that narratively is a very fascinating story. Yeah, I can that's feel crazy. the stress coming through <laughs> Candace right now. I, I mean, it's no, just but like, let me be honest. Here, but no, it's a good stress. I'm, good I'm not stressed. I am not stressed when I tell you I don't care. Like, I genuinely don't. I think for me, I've had the experience. I've seen a national championship firsthand. They won my freshman year of college. Anything but a national championship is a losing season in my eyes because, again, you just get ingrained in that. But at the same time, I love this for these college kids that finally get to experience that, right? They finally get to go to a camp, uh, Franklin Street and rush and just be a part yeah. of what college culture is all about. So I'm really happy that they get to have that moment. And for Duke as well. I mean, hell, you get to see Coach K in his final story. Like, what better written? Like you like you said, it's going to be a Disney movie. <laughs> like, this is just very much on point for based on a true story. You know, like, you can't write this up any better. Let's dive into the matchup here, all right? Duke and North Carolina. Uh, Candace, I'm just – Brady Manic, your thoughts. Like, what, what this guy has done is unbelievable. <laughs> is he the most beloved Tar Heel? On this team. And like, how, how far back do we have to go to find a Tar Heel that was more loved than Brady Manic? Listen, I don't know. This is the Brady Manic stand account over here. I love me some Brady. He doesn't have to buy a beer in Chapel Hill ever in his life as long as I'm with him. Because I feel like Brady just brings a mature energy to this squad, right? They know they can depend on him on the court. But off the court, you can just tell he really gets them going. When he gets his fouls, when he gets and ones, when he's able to shoot that three, he just changes how they want to play. They want to step up because of him. And when he was out at that Baylor game, you could just tell the whole emotion of feeling like that might have been his final game he wasn't there for his team like he was so downtrodden about it and you're just like dang you only been here a year buddy like imagine if he was four years and he was ingrained in that culture and all of that I can only imagine what his emotions would have been so for me Brady is just that change agent of this team and I think as long as he's playing well he'll have to play well just the same way he did the first two times that they faced off Andy, when you look at the guard play, I, I think that was one of the things that I wasn't worried about per se with Carolina, but you knew it was going to be a bit of a roller coaster. RJ Davis has solidified himself, but to you, what has been the more important and maybe more impressive part of Carolina? Is it the way their guards have played or the way the bigs have sort of stepped up at times? Like we saw Baycock go out there and have a Herculean effort against St. Peter's. Brady Mannix been there or has it been the the Caleb Love performance where he goes off for 25 points in the second half what, what's been more important for you with, with Carolina yeah I, I was gonna say Caleb Love uh, he's been such a, a critical piece to what they've done the last few games I mean really all season long but in particular the last few games uh, they have great great big men Manic has been awesome this season. He was awesome in his career prior to coming to North Carolina. He's been awesome as a Tar Heel. I'm not surprised when I saw that he transferred there. I was like, man, he's going to he's gonna help that team a lot. He's going to do some really good stuff for them. Uh, Baycott, obviously, one of the best bigs in the entire country, one of the best rebounders, uh, again, in the country. He's been phenomenal. But for them, the guard play, and, and it's been kind of an overarching theme of this season in general for a huge chunk of the teams. There's so many talented bigs. There's so many talented wings and the point guard play in particular this season has just been a little bit down and there's probably a lot of reasons for that. And it might just be a little bit fluky, but in a lot of ways you're seeing the teams that have really consistent guard play kind of step up and do big things. 
And, and I think for, for North Carolina, how Caleb Love plays is going to be a huge part of the game against Duke because Duke has big guards. They have physical guards. They can push you around a little bit. Uh, it's going to mean a, a big game for Love. It's going to mean a, a big game for Leaky Black. He's obviously a, a big oversized guard as well, 6'8". And if he can step up and, and give them some good minutes, I think that's going to make their chances a lot better. Andy, you didn't mention how stressful Caleb is. And I, I love that about you. You're being very polite because that mofo <laughs> we should be shooting from the logo. And you're like, why? Maybe not that shot. If he makes it, you're like, hell yeah. But most of the time when he doesn't, you're like, just why? Just why? <laughs> I'm intrigued. All right, let's get to the Duke side of things here because I think one thing that Duke might struggle with in this game is the size that Carolina presents because Duke, if you look along their path that they've gotten to, to get to the final four, haven't had to go up against a whole lot of height. Yeah. Michigan state with Marcus Bingham, but that's really about it. That's the only, I think true seven footer they've really faced along the way, but you've got Mark Williams, a guy who's certainly battle tested him and we've sung his praises earlier on in the show. But when you look at Duke and now, I mean, if you thought the, the pressure was on in coach K's final season, well, now it's on 10, like, Candace, do you feel like the pressure is in the rear view mirror for these kids now at this point? Like they've gotten to the final four. No, is it no. like mission accomplished at this point or is it all right? Like, obviously there's still steps to go. They obviously want to yeah. win a national championship, but is the pressure just gotten to the point where eh, it's just an afterthought? No, I think the pressure is just about the same. I don't think they're playing with as tight as tails as they were before, but you heard Wendell Moore Jr. in the post game, like, you know, job's not done, big Kobe Bryant energy, whatever, which is cool. But I think the reality is every game could be Coach K's last game, final ever. And of course they have played well, but I think the difference between the team that played in Cameron for the last time and the team that's playing in this tournament is exponentially different. I think the way they carry, have carried themselves, the, probably the best they looked was against Arkansas. I think after Texas Tech, you kind of just knew this Duke team is different. Different. And if you, but at the same token, if they face off against people who can match their shooting energy and their offensive energy, they're going to be challenged because they haven't been perfect. They've been able to get by with teams that aren't able to. Um, be any sort of offense good lord it's been it's been a, it's been uh cringy for my eyes because i as a carolina person i'm just like okay just make it a game that's all i ask and then duke pulls away so you got to give your hats off they have done what they were supposed to do every single game and they put it away every after five minutes left even they just do what they got to do andy what's the matchup you're watching in this game because i think there's a couple really interesting ones that you can point to between these two teams but is there one in particular that you've got your eye on uh, yeah, it's it's going to come down to Mark Williams for Duke uh, in a big way and, and how he matches up against uh, Armando Baycott um, or Brady Manek, depending on how they how they handle that defensively. But there's a lot on Mark Williams in this game. That's kind of the way that I'm looking at. North Carolina has two really skilled bigs. They've beat a lot of teams by out-rebounding them, by getting second-chance opportunities, uh, by, by taking care of their business on that end of the floor. Mark Williams is going to need to be a force on the boards. He's going to need to clean up. Uh, any mistakes he's going to need to block shots he's going to he's capable of doing all of this for the record it's we're not asking him to do anything he's not capable of doing uh, Candace alluded to it earlier he's one of the best NBA ready players on that roster he's one of the best defensive bigs in the country he's ready for this stage but he's going to need to play really really well because Bancaro not a great defensive player and their depth after that they have talented players after that but if Williams is in foul trouble defensively they're going to have some issues down in the paint and that's that's what I think this game's really going to come down to all right, let's flip to the other game here because, believe it or not, Duke Carolina, not the only game going on in, in New Orleans, despite what you might hear over the course of this <laughs> week. But Kansas and Villanova, listen, 
it was an ugly win for Villanova, and obviously it got even uglier with the Justin Moore injury. It's going to mean Caleb Daniels is going to have to step up in this one, as well as maybe a little splash of Chris Archidiacono as well. But, I mean, you want to talk about storybook here. This is Caleb Daniels now, in all likelihood, going to be thrust into the starting rotation in his hometown of New Orleans. I mean, there's stories on both sides in both games for this one. But what are you looking at as a potential maybe drop-off, Candace, between losing a guy like Justin Moore and going down to the bench and pulling up Caleb Daniels to, to give you some major minutes? I think, like you said, having to play in front of the hometown, you're either going to fly or fight, fight or fly, whatever the phrase is. You know what I'm trying to say. It's been a long day. I'm so sorry. All I know that to say is you play in front of the home team, you know what's on the line, and you know that you are being called into a position that you are not used in that rotation. Thank goodness that they have a whole week to get it right. It's not like two days out where he injured himself and you have a day's rest and now you have to go play for a championship. So they have plenty of time to watch film. They have plenty of time for him to reset. It's not like he hasn't played before anyway. He's not like he hasn't been in the lineup. So it's just a matter of really dialing in. I think the X's and O's for Coach Wright is going to be essential, how they you know game plan this against a really good team that, again, offensively is going to be sound. They, they have, Some people always figure it out at the right moment, and I have a feeling Kansas is going to figure it out even better than they have already about how to get it going. So can he just do his job? Like we talked about Mark Williams. All Daniel needs to do is his job. Don't need to do two more. Don't try and be the hero. Don't try to step up extra because you're at home. Just do your job and help the starters, the normal starters, do theirs and excel, and I think he'll be fine. Andy, you talked about the bigs in the last matchup. I want to get your thoughts on the point guards here because we alluded to this. This is the best point guard matchup between, and maybe even with the way that Remy Martin's playing, one of the best point guard matchups we could have gotten, really, throughout all the 68 tournament teams. But when you've got Colin Gillespie, again, he wasn't great offensively against Houston, but nobody really was. And then going up against a resurgent Remy Martin on the other side, albeit Remy's going to come off the bench in all likelihood in this game, but when you see that, who's got the upper hand there for you? Yeah, I, I'm going to lean with Gillespie again. He's not he's not a traditional point guard in the sense of like facilitating. He's not going to get, you know, seven, eight assists per game. That's not really been his game. He's good at limiting turnovers. Uh, he's, he's obviously a fantastic outside shooter. He's good at getting to the free throw line, 91% from the free throw line on the season. So he's very, very good at converting there when he does get there. Uh, Gillespie is going to be a huge part of this game, especially with more out. You know, we talked about Caleb Daniels stepping up and certainly there need to certainly Jay Wright's going to need to get into his depth a little bit. But at the end of the day, a lot more is going to be on the shoulders of Colin Gillespie and how he handles the pressure from Kansas defensively, how he facilitates the offense, how he avoids turnovers. Both these teams are very, very good at taking care of the basketball. No surprise when you're looking at teams in the final four that they're good at limiting turnovers. But that's going to be a big part of this game is which of these teams can rely on their point guard to get it done, to facilitate the offense, to avoid making careless mistakes with the basketball. And like you said, Remy Martin's been great. He's only playing about 22 minutes per game on the season. He's been playing more lately, but you know, what he ends up doing in this game, how much he can, and they have Dewan Harris too, and he's been fantastic yeah. as well. He's averaging over four assists per game in a, in a you know, a, not a reserve role, obviously, but he's not kind of, yeah. yeah, exactly. And it, it's been really good to see him step up. And if, if those two guys have good games, uh, they can mitigate some of the success that Gillespie is likely going to have and potentially put them in a position to win this one. 
All right. Well, the next time you hear from us, the stage for the national championship is going to be set. No matter who it is, it will feature two historic teams. I can't believe we're saying that at this point in the season, after everything we've seen all year, the rotating cast of characters at the number one spot in the AP poll to the upsets we've seen in March. But we're going to have a couple blue bloods duking it out in New Orleans for a national championship next week. Brandy Patton and Candace Cooper, I'm Tyler Rocky. This has been the Ultimate College Basketball Tournament Special presented by the Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.